1: All
2: right, guys, let's do this. Last show of the year, possibly before Christmas. Um, looking forward to this one. Yeah, this is the Unsackable podcast. A little bit of a different format um, this week because, you know, it's Christmas. We're all getting ready ready for the Christmas season. And once again, your host, Manuel Fete. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Filippo, um, I, I I just went online and checked Twitter and briefly worked off it because you set it on fire once again. Well done. Um, <laughs> These countries haven't been at war since 1812. But I think like if you keep tweeting like that, man, you You we're going to have a war here between Canada and the US. But I guess that's that's why you exist and why Twitter exists. Um,
3: but how are you doing otherwise, man? How's it going? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm a little afraid of what my Twitter actions can cause in a World Cup, right? Because <laughs> that's a lot of countries involved. Who knows what I'm going to say? And if I'm being able to get Canadians angry, and Canadians are pretty nice people, or some of them are rude, but you guys at least are fairly nice besides josh but i've been doing good been doing good looking forward to christmas the break hopefully you guys will enjoy your holidays as well and i'll pass on the mic yeah
2: josh um i saw the tweet and i was like i can't deal with this right now but i'm pretty sure you jump right in so how's it going man first of all and is this the it's been a hundred and something years since the war of 1812 that canada by the way won um i are, are we do we have to be worried about you josh i mean
0: I, I'm, I'm doing good uh, i have a bit of a cold but uh but we, don't know, we, don't, <laughs> we don't know if it's covid we're gonna go f- figure it out and maybe i'm a lot of travel very easily for six months we'll find out but yeah i don't know if people likes going on on twitter and uh and throwing out an opinion knowing that he's gonna get um the, the riled up Canadians. So I always like to get in there as well. Toss in a, a quote tweet, rip on Serginio desk just a little bit and, uh, and call it a day. But yeah, if he keeps up going at this pace, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a, there's going to be a small foot footy little war between, uh between Canada and the U S and I'm all
2: for it. At least a snowball fight, right? I mean, I, that's at least that. I, I, mean, I,
3: I lived in Buffalo. I'm good at snowball fights just for a disclaimer. Okay, good. And Minnesota will
0: get involved as well. So it'll be fun. It'll be good. I'm, I'm there.
3: <laughs> um. You know, Adrian. First of all,
2: we're on the same island. Uh, that's cool. We're going to have a white Christmas, even cooler. And we finally get to hang out on on Thursday. Um, really excited for that. Um, how's it going, man? Welcome back to the island.
1: It's good, man. It's really, really good to be back. It's nice to breathe in that fresh BC air once again—not that sort of smoggy Montreal, Quebec air, you know. But um, yeah, I'm I'm doing very well. I Took notice of what was going on on Twitter. I brought the evidence to the table in the group chat, and we discussed a little bit. I'm taking notes on what's going on with uh, Filippo's Twitter tactics, and I'm building up a dossier to uh, a and a PowerPoint to sort of explain how he approaches Twitter. It's similar to politicians. We'll explain that maybe in another episode. But yeah, is that a video? Is that a video? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a full explainer video on on creating these narratives, etc. So yeah, we'll we'll do a big expose soon. Oh
2: dear. It's good that we're this this is still supposed to be the the season of peace and happiness um glad you guys are living it for long <laughs> <laughs> um yeah christmas it's around the corner or whatever else you celebrate i know there's lots of other things happening as well so like i i think everyone in this chat is probably going to celebrate christmas but of course i understand that there's lots of other holidays happening as well so whatever you're celebrating um first of all happy holidays but Speaking of holidays, um, guys, I want to really briefly touch on this because this is insane. I, I'm, I'm looking at the Premier League at the moment and yeah, there's a lot of postponed games. And um, there's, of course, all these stories that come out about the vaccination rate in the Premier League and Omicron, this, this, this really evil virus that spreads like wildfire and Thankfully, it looks like it's not um, very deadly um, compared to Alpha, Gamma, Beta, Delta, and whatever else is out there. So that's good news. We'll probably be through this pretty fast. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of missed games this week. Um, Josh, what do you make of all this? I mean, are we going to be able to even get Christmas football in the Premier League? What do you think?
0: I mean, it's it's disappointing because it's just kind of like, when is this going to end? Uh, and, and I feel like this one kind of came out of nowhere. It seemed like we were actually getting a hold on on the situation, and and to, I mean, to the the Bundesliga credit, they've always done well. They're the first league back, as everyone would remember, and they're the ones who are actually able to properly finish and get to their uh, their winter break, playing every every single team playing the correct amount of games. I know Tottenham was a few games behind, and I know I know that they still are, but it, it's a packed schedule. I'm very curious to see how they're going to strategically figure out a way to get all these games in, because I mean, as as we're probably going to get to, I mean. With European competitions that will be in there, not mm. now for Tottenham, but uh, it's, it's hard to be able to fit all these matches, especially if you're going to be competing for top four, which has so much money on the line. It, it's it's just disappointing, and I don't know exactly if if there is anyone to blame. If you want to look at the league for not being able to to find the correct means of handling this, or if if it just comes down to, to bad luck, but either way, it's not a good sign for the Premier League. No,
2: Josh, and I want to stay with you because like both you and I um, follow the NHL as well, right? And it's been really interesting what's been happening there. And the, the positive news, of course, in the NHL is that um, everyone is vaccinated. So the outcomes have been that most players are just getting the sniffles and that's about it. Um, but what, of course, if you test positive, we're still at a place where, you know, when players test positive, they, they have to go into quarantine and uh, isolate for two weeks, even if it's just the sniffles, which is often the case of Omicron. And now we have the situation where the NHL shut down until after christmas right and um the league also banned uh cross border travel for teams and this is this is because if players get stuck in canada they don't want to they don't want to not be able to go home because the quarantine rules in canada are much stricter um that could be a blueprint for what's happening in the premier league right following those two stories it seems very similar right josh
0: yeah it, it does um and, it, and it's weird because like i said like there's a, the difference with i mean the soccer world is that there's a ton of different leagues so there's a lot of different ways we can kind of take a look at what's happening there but i mean the the nhl it seems to be following a very similar suit of what's going to be probably happening in the premier league and and uh, i actually had a buddy who's supposed to come back he was, lives out in calgary and he was going to go to the uh, ottawa game and asked me if i wanted to come up, come with him and and uh, i was like i think it's a little dangerous to actually be booking tickets and he went mm-hmm. ahead and did it and i told him i wasn't going to and it ended up getting canceled as well so i mean it's 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 interesting and, and this is a, a completely different topic of it but in the NHL, they could realistically just cut the season. And this is something that in the, in the soccer world, you can't really do. They can, no. at the end, if they can't fit in their 82-game season, which is a long season, they could cut it and be like, all right, guys, we're, we're just cutting it here, going on winning percentage, or we're paying 72 games, and now we're going into playoffs, and they'll figure a way, way to go into the bubble and do that. That's the that's a different metric compared to doing it. Like the Premier League, like you can't yeah. just cut the season. You need to, uh, to get a winner involved, and I think that could also put a little bit more stress on the Premier League to get these games in because each and every single one of them matter a lot more than just the 75th game in in the NHL.
1: And it's an especially difficult situation for the Premier League as well because they are already notoriously known for having an incredibly packed schedule, you know, 20 teams, 38 matches that they have to fit in, plus they have two cup competitions. So once you start dropping games like this, like I believe Tottenham are like three matches behind or something like that. So it's it's hard to see where they're going to fit it in because they pack everything in. They don't have a Christmas break like other leagues do. They pack everything in around Christmas time. January's packed with cup competitions and league play. Then you get into February and you have the European sides that are also playing in those competitions. So in theory, some could be playing in four competitions all at one time. So I think that they need to... I think they need to sort of address what the protocol is now when it comes to COVID cases, because, and this is me speaking about Benfica in particular, but last season, notoriously, almost our entire first team was wiped out, but we still had to play. We still had to, whether it was fielding youth players or whatever, they still had to play. So I think that, and I don't have the answer to this because I am just a stupid, clueless person like many, um, but <laughs> I think that they need to figure something out as to keep the matches going.
2: It's really interesting to jump in and... um on this is what the NFL is doing, right? The NFL is currently in discussion with the Players Association and the different owners. And I, they can do this because they're the only one of the big leagues in North America who don't have teams in Canada. And the U.S. views COVID very differently. or up on this point, views COVID very differently than Canada. That's where health measures are seen more strict, sometimes overly strict, um, feels sometimes a little bit like a health dictatorship, but that's a different conversation. Um, but the NFL is now thinking of stopping testing asymptomatic players because the health outcomes have been in such a way that players are now getting sick, um, double vaccinated players or booster players even getting sick with this new variant. And because it is the health outcome is so much lower, right? And the risk of death is so much lower. It's essentially the same as the common cold when you look at the latest statistics that is saying, well, we could just keep playing, If you're not symptomatic, we're not going to test you. And if you have it, well, (laughs) tough luck. Um, And the NHL would probably, from what I'm hearing, would like to do the same if it wasn't for Canada. Same with the NBA. And it feels like one of those leagues will make that decision at some point. Right, Filippo? And I feel like it feels like someone, someone is going to make that domino fall and say this is no longer a risk because Omicron is less risky. Our players are all vaccinated. Let's just move on and play what do you make of that
3: yeah i mean if if they get to that conclusion that it doesn't really affect their health and it's okay if doctors or whatever say it's okay then yeah they just go for it right uh, like adrian said again it's a topic where i i don't know what they should do um each person take care of their own health and at the end of the day it's their decision right there Now, in terms of the Premier League, one thing I wanted to say is sometimes it reminds me a lot of what happens in Brazil for soccer. The schedule in Brazil is packed. And and Adrian might have heard this from Jorge Jesus and Abel Ferreira. They've complained about this because you have the state championship and then you have the league with 38 games, the Libertadores, the Brazilian Cup. And England seems to have something like that too, right? A packed league, 38 games, a league cup, which adds some games, the FA Cup, they also have... Uh, Teams playing international competitions as well. So maybe it's time for England to maybe evaluate that, right? Maybe some of the main teams might not be in the League Cup. I don't know. I'm not English. You guys can can talk about that better. Not you guys. I mean, like, actual English viewers. Maybe reduce the size of the Premier League. Like, Bundesliga operates with less clubs and probably helps the clubs a lot to have a little bit less games, right? Those four less games that they have. But I don't know. I don't know what the Premier League is going to do. Um, they're definitely not in a good situation right now. They're, they're having to cancel games, right? So they might might as well at one point sit down and just think, hey, instead of canceling a few games and adding to the mess, maybe just stop for a week or two and then go on with it. The problem is the schedule is not very, it's not on their side right now.
2: The Qatar is a huge problem, right? That, yeah, that. absolutely. It um, seems nonsensical to... Even think about a major tournament this year, um, let alone in November, December when um, we don't know what's happening over the next two months, but Qatar is a big problem, of course. Um, It is an interesting discussion that you bring up there, Filippo, because one of the things that we've been talking about a lot, and you see it in all the major European leagues, and we have seen it in all the major European leagues for a while, and people love pointing at the Premier League and say how competitive it is, right? but Manchester City are now three points clear at the top of the table, despite having a slow start to the league, and they're probably the only team in that league that can deal with that much of a compacted schedule because, you know, their owners in Abu Dhabi essentially spent a, a small GDP of a European country on defenders alone. You know, eight hundred million euros plus spent on defense um, since Pep Guardiola took over. It's a lot of money. And that's how you win championships because they're so deep. So they know three points clear. They're probably the only team that will not suffer over this compacted schedule that's coming up. Um, and that begs the question to all three of you guys, you know, um, we know it's over in France. We know it's over in Germany. Sorry, Josh, but Dortmund massively dropped the ball on that one, right? Nine points clear, um, between Bayern and Dortmund. There's no way Dortmund are going to make that up. Um, we talked about the Serie A, right? And said like, oh yeah, that looks still competitive. The, the, the truth is Inter are four points clear. And the way the top teams are structured, they don't lose that many points. They, they lose points in the beginning of the year, not towards the end, right? Um We look at La Liga and it's six points between Real Madrid and Sevilla. And someone said to me, oh, it's really interesting because Sevilla in the championship fight. And I'm like, no, not really. Sorry, guys, like... I can't see it. And France is France. Um, you know, we, of course, all follow it because League 1 and Jonathan David and all that, and he just got a market value jump to 55 million, which makes him the second most valuable player in CONCACAF behind Davies together with Pulisic, of course. But guys, we're having an issue here. Like, even when, even the Premier League isn't competitive anymore, right, Filippo? And that's becoming stale. What do you think? Like, this is, of course, going to be a bit of an open discussion, but I feel like European football has come at the point where you talked about the Premier League having to rethink its structure and its schedule. But we're really at a point now where all of European football has to look at it, right?
3: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's not competitive anymore. I would say it's going towards a trajectory where you have one dominant team and teams that kind of like humble around it and just kind of sometimes put up a fight. But yeah, I think Manchester City is going to win the league. Chelsea has fallen off. Liverpool is going to feel the the, the the schedule very soon. They're already starting to feel it, even though they've been in great form. And then you look at all these other leagues that you mentioned, just to go through it. France, I mean, PSG took it already. It's all set. The Serie A, you mentioned, it's interesting. I do think that Inter Milan is likely going to win it. There's still somewhat of a race, but we often forget that before this Inter Milan era coming back, Juventus won how many? Seven, eight? Something like that in a Nine. Row, right? Nine in a row, see? Kind of like what we're criticizing Bayern for. Juve did it in the Serie A as well. So it, something has to be done, right? Obviously, you don't want to... I'm not saying that we're going to enter... We want the leagues to start and have four, five, six clubs that can win it. But you usually want to start a league where you have three clubs that are on very close level and and that'll be very competitive to the end and that you don't know who will win. But it's starting to reach a point where... It's, it's it's I don't want to say unwatchable, I enjoy watching soccer regardless, but it, it becomes a point where you lose interest towards the end of the season, and I know many people are going to deny this, but you do start to lose it, and maybe there's alternatives to it that we can most certainly discuss, you can maybe do what some leagues do in South America, and even I think Liga Mexi does it as well, with doing like half and half, an abertura, and a clausura, and having a final between those two maybe you can add playoffs with the top 4 teams there's many discussions to it um or change the structure of the league to maybe hold off on these big clubs that just pour in money like you said they spent almost a gdp just on defense right of a small country in manchester city just on the defense there there has to be something done right because it will become a watch it could become to a point where the the league starts and you already know this team's going to win We're just going to kind of like watch it for the rest of it, right? For the sake of it. And it's only going to get worse. The way I'm seeing it is it's only going to get worse the next few years unless something is done.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the structures are in place and there's there's many culprits. I actually think one big culprit is the Premier League and the money it has. And it's destroyed um, all the medium side clubs in these other leagues because they can pay way more than anyone else. And the other big culprit is, of course, the Champions League because... Certain teams always make the Champions League and it creates a monopoly because in Bayern Munich's case, they've made the Champions League every single time except once, right? And um, that means that they have a lot of money to play with and um, going into the Champions League once, if you're someone like Freiburg or Frankfurt and you qualify for the Champions League, you get a lot of money, but... You don't. It's not quite enough to actually keep your squad together. All these other teams will just pick out your best players, and you're starting from from zero again. And you will you will probably not make it out of the group stage of the Champions League. You struggle domestically because of the extra added games. So it's creating this like almost monopoly, right? And Josh, the two of us, we watch the Bundesliga quite closely. And when I grew up in the nineties and in the two thousands, anyone could win it. Yes, Bayern would probably win every second one. But you would have a Kaiserslautern who got promoted and won it. You would have a Stuttgart. You had a Wolfsburg. You know, Leverkusen was always there even though they never won it. But there was lots of other teams that had a shout at the title and would win it. And it's really frustrating watching it because teams do beat Bayern, but no one does it consistently, right? And yeah, I mean,
0: that's, a big,
2: I, that's a big problem, right?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I 100% agree. And when I started following the Bundesliga... I was, it was, I mean, I started, fo- I didn't really follow it in terms of watching it, but like I, like video games, understanding the teams. And when I started really watching, it was 2009, 2010 season. So to me, seeing Dortmund win back to back titles was like, okay, well, this is like, this is fun. And then obviously seeing Bayern start winning a couple in a row. And, and still, that's four years in, and you're like, it's a battle. I've, I've seen Dortmund win two, I've seen Bayern win two. And then it just disappeared. And Dortmund, too, I mean, not, I don't know if it's to their credit or not, but they've had opportunities to win the league and they seem to find a way to blow it. And, and now it's just starting to see a little bit of, of frustration. And it, and it boiled out in, in me. I'm trying to to be on, on my YouTube channel and trying to be professional and trying to, uh, you know, this is what I cover. This is what I love to talk about. But at the same time, it's nine points. It's Christmas. The, the league's over. That's It's just as simple as that. You're not going to catch Bayern. And I, I know that Dortmund had a nine-point lead a few years ago, but it's, it's different. Dortmund were built in that way to blow those nine points where... Where Bayern weren't, Bayern will hold on. They'll win the league title again. It'll be ten in a row, and then everyone else who isn't a fan or does not follow the league will come at us and say that this league is a farmers league. This league is this. This league is that. And, and I and I do feel like something needs to eventually be done because it doesn't seem like any of the, the clubs are, are narrowing the gap on Bayern. And we I know we've tossed around this idea on on the pod before as well as behind the scenes, but maybe maybe the playoff, a little playoff system at the end, is the way to do it or or split the seasons up because. I don't see Byron slowing down. and I mean, it's not Bayern's fault the other ones can't keep up.
4: Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed,
0: high-scoring
4: NFL game. But With the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: I want to bring Adrian in here because he actually covers a club in a league. Um, Portugal, you know, we're just outside of the top four where the league is at least at the top, is competitive. You have Porto, Sporting, and Benfica share the title on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, sometimes someone will do it like three or four times in a row, but you never really see it that consistently dominated like you do it with the top four. Um, Even the Netherlands is a great example as well, right, where you have a similar kind of structure. Why do you think that is, Adrian?
1: Well, yeah, it's it's funny listening to this because it's it's sort of like the this is your guys' first time, kind of, that sort of meme. Because in Portugal, there's only ever been in its entire history five different winners in the league. Benfica, Sporting, Porto, Boavista, and Belenenses. So I'm sort of used to it. Now, is it a good thing? No, not really. And I think that it definitely is going a little bit stale in the other leagues. I mean, there is some encouragement in seeing how Juventus has finally fallen off and how they've fallen off in quite some style as well as they're sort of floundering a little bit under Allegri sort of some signs that they're regaining their traction. But um, yeah, it's, it is annoying to see, especially, you know, Germany, France, uh, formerly Italy, those were the main ones that were always dominated by the same teams, Bayern, Juventus, PSG. It looks like PSG is going to continue. But while I agree with you guys' overarching sentiment, I, I, I do still have some hope. Maybe I'm just like a, a hopeless romantic, a sporting romantic in some senses, but I do think that there's still a lot of room in certain leagues. Like it, it could only be a three-point lead in Spain if Sevilla win their match in hand. Um, in the Premier League, you know, with what's going on with COVID there and you know, it could take an outbreak at Manchester City and then Liverpool or Chelsea could regain some traction in the city. Yeah, I think that that's still very competitive so long as Napoli can find some form again after their crazy uh, injury crisis that they've had. So I might have a little more optimism than you guys do um, in that I think that it can still be competitive, but you guys are completely right in that, you know, for the past few seasons, it's gotten a little bit frustrating. And I mean, hey, I mean, do we jump back to, the conversation about playoffs again, because that certainly does feel like the silver bullet for all of this.
3: So one thing I wanted to add to, and I know Josh does follow quite a bit. I know Adrian and Manuel, they follow it kind of like skimming through it. And I'm trying to figure out why, right? Because you go to Brazil, the Brazilian league, actually there's a lot of diversity on the ch- in championships, right? It does rotate a lot, even though you have Brazilian giants You see them lose very easily. And in Brazil, you see these giants win the Libertadores and then get relegated two, three years later in the same league. It's much crazier there. And that's why it's not just because I'm Brazilian, but it is my favorite league to watch nowadays. Not in terms of quality. There's better leagues to watch. But there, it's a little crazy. And the example I love to give is one. Palmeiras in the last 21 years Palmeiras managed to win three Libertadores in 21 years. At these same 21 years, Palmeiras managed to get relegated twice. So could you imagine in Europe, a team that has won three Champions Leagues in 20 years, which is pretty damn good, get relegated twice in the same period of time? I don't know what it is about, but I want to pass it to Manuel here so he can give his thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I have
2: a theory about that. And... um... (laughs) It's great greater. It is, and Argentina is another example, right? Um, where the league title um, rotates quite a lot more. Mexico is another great example um, as well. But I, I, I view that that a little bit different. The the reason I think why it is in Brazil is um, if you are a Brazilian club, whether you're Palmeiras, Flamengo, Atlético, uh, Grêmio, right, uh, Internacional, which has been relegated
3: um you know no, uh, grammy, uh, grammy uh, sorry
2: we just got relegated yeah you you play a, you play a good season half your team gets bought by europe right and we're not talking about necessarily even the best teams in europe um, we're talking about teams like shachta donetsk etc and and because of that because everyone suffers from that um and i think that's it kind of affects portugal and the netherlands as well like that a little bit um if you have, if you're good, you get punished because all your best players leave. So you have to rebuild, which gives another team a chance to win. And that's probably the problem what you have with the top four leagues in Europe is that most of the teams in those leagues suffer the same fate, right? Um, in Germany, it's everyone but Bayern. And unfortunately for everyone, but Bayern, Bayern can buy anyone because they are one of the three biggest teams in the world. So that sucks for the Bundesliga because you can't compete with that, right? In the Premier League, at least you have two or three teams that are probably all slightly behind Bayern, but it's still enough to buy from everyone else. So you still get that really stale structure. Uh, PSG is a super club. How are you going to compete with that, right? in some of these like medium-sized leagues, you don't have super clubs. You're all essentially a feeder team to the super clubs. So the title rotates um, which of course the only way to fix is you take the super clubs out and have them in their own competition. No one wants that. Um, but no. I think that's probably why you have, have that competitiveness in Brazil Filippo.
3: Right, it could be. Uh, that's obviously there's more to it. Like there's also poor management. That clubs like Cruzeiro went bankrupt pretty much. And Ronaldo phenomenon just bought Cruzeiro, by the way. Uh, that was one of his first clubs, right? He was he came out of San Cristobal, and Cruzeiro was the first big club that Ronaldo played before going to Europe in the nineties. And he just bought them for I think like seventy, eighty million dollars. Uh, that's a huge club that was in trouble financially. So yeah, but what you said does make sense too. Even though uh usually when these clubs are successful, you talked about Flamengo Palmeiras, they end up selling one or two players to Europe. And it's just it's just weird. That league is just weird. You get some teams out of nowhere that just rise and, and like like I said, Palmeiras was able to win the Libertadores and get relegated. Gremio won the Libertadores four years ago and they're relegated now. Uh it's it's in terms of, from a fan's perspective, it's it's something that you love to see. It's just like, it's all you want to see, unexpected. You're always believing in your team, and you're always worried. Uh, that's just my favorite way to see it. I hope we get that in Europe. I, Europe never was as crazy as Brazil is in that sense, but we used to see what you guys said, random champions in Bundesliga. We saw mm. teams compete with Bayern. Bayern wasn't clear of anyone. They were the best team, which you're always going to have a be- be- best team. But they weren't clear. Now Bayern, everyone's afraid of playing Bayern at this point. You go yeah. like Wolfsburg played Bayern this weekend. They came into the game just to not lose by a lot. They clearly didn't care about winning.
2: Yeah, and that's a that's a club with a budget of Atletico Madrid, right? Um, yeah, and they're not poor. They look small because they're next to Bayern, and everyone looks small next to Bayern. I mean, um, that that is a. Bundesliga specific problem that they are such a giant of a club that they do this literally to everyone um I don't know how to fix that I, I think Adrian again like Portugal probably similar problems than Brazil that if you're good you sell your best players and so you everyone remains competitive that's not yeah. exactly the solution either right
1: No, it isn't. And that leads to sort of the weakening of the entire league because the best players, you know, there's that that defined food chain where everyone either floats up to either Sporting, Benfica or Porso. And then, you know, if you're good enough at Braga, you're also leaving that team. And so Braga never gains a foothold and nobody really can. And these teams that are playing in the Champions League as well, or even in just in the Europa League, you know, Portugal is not a very wealthy country by any means, um, and and the money in the league itself is is not much either. So when you're playing in European competitions regularly, the gap, the disparity between those top three and the rest of the league is just massive. And the only way that they sort of fall off is through corruption and through you know the mishandling of funds and sort of being their own worst enemies and causing themselves to fall off. So it's you can't really see, especially in Portugal, I cannot see a world. It would take some massive, massive corruption or some sort of tax dodging or something where the federal government got involved and sent a team down to the second division. It would take a lot in order to sort of break those teams down and break down that monopoly, that sort of stranglehold that the top three clubs have.
3: Now, what, what do you guys think if maybe the competitions became smaller competitions? right? So kind of like what I mentioned about having a clausura and abertura. So it's almost like you divide the league in two parts, which having shorter competitions allows clubs that are a little bit weaker to have a bit bit of a chance of beating, right? We talked about the playoffs, knockout rounds. It's more possible to beat Bayern in one or two games rather than having to beat them over 30 plus games because they have more room. So maybe shorter competitions throughout the season and then have them combine at the end to see who wins, the champions of each one. Something like that might turn up the excitement and it might fix it because then you might get these giants to lose from time to time.
2: Yeah. Um, it's actually super interesting that you bring that up. We had uh, Raphael Honigstein on Gegenpressing um, the Bundesliga podcast a couple of months ago on our show to talk about this very subject. And uh, one of the things he brought up was to decrease the Bundesliga to 14 clubs, maybe 12 even, um, with the same television revenue. Ensure that all your blue chip clubs are in the league, you know, your Hamburgs and Schalke and Kaiserslauterns and even 1860. Um, make sure that all those teams are actually in your first division and then give everyone the same television money. Because then all of a sudden, these teams, if you divide the current Bundesliga deal between just 14 or 12 teams, all of a sudden they're richer than the Premier League teams, right? And um, then you only have big competitive matches every match day. I think 14 is probably as low as I would personally go. But um, there was merit to that in that, that it would increase the revenue of every single team. It would make every game more competitive it would give players a bit more rest and you could bring in other things like you know more promotion playoffs uh, relegation playoffs uh, maybe championship playoffs and all that sort of stuff to fill the match calendar with more big games um i don't hate that idea the problem of course is which team in germany would vote to make that league clo- smaller because it's like it's a, the the bundes in the bundesliga the dfl it's 36 clubs and um they all get a voting share, right? And who would vote to essentially give up a place in this first division. <laughs> so it would be a really tough sell. Um, I personally like that idea. I think it's a good idea and maybe uh, it would create more domestic super leagues. Um,
3: how, how would that idea work in terms of transitioning a Bundesliga two team to a Bundesliga one? Because the revenue and from who Bundesliga-
2: wants that? who wants that, right? What? Who would would want that? Like, who would voluntarily give up that money?
3: No, 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 no. What I meant is there would still be promotion relegation, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, so a team getting promoted, how would that transition work? Would they get a bonus so they can compete? Because they would arrive very weak, right? They would arrive very weak.
2: Everyone would get more money in the first division. You would have the parachute payments and all that sort of stuff. So that's one model. I mean, it's essentially creating domestic super leagues, right? Hmm um hard hard to do really hard to do because although it makes sense you you still have all your different clubs saying no so I don't know
3: it's um it's something there they should definitely take the debate a little bit more seriously because uh I mean there you know I'm not a big fan of Florentino Perez I don't think anyone's a big fan of the Real Madrid dictator but I think some of the things he said, there's truth to it, right? We see a younger generation where people actually losing some interest in some leagues. And and that could be partially the reason, right? It's not that the game got more boring. The game's as fun as it has ever been. The games are intense. Everything's fine. But the problem is, I think people lose interest where you start to not have much in stake. So you go to Borussia Dortmund, like Josh just mentioned... Eventually, Dortmund is going to be in a comfortable situation to qualify to the Champions League. And then, what is in stake for the Dortmund fans at that point in the Bundesliga? It just becomes like cruise control. There's no emotions, and, 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 and then you don't get new fans. So, uh, they, they have to address this of seriousness. And I, I mentioned Bundesliga as an example, but we all know I'm talking about all those leagues, obviously. What do you think, Josh?
0: Yeah, I, I. mean, it's interesting. I, I, the conversation that you had about reducing the Bundesliga down to twelve. I don't, I don't know how I'd feel. I don't know if it's just because I'm a traditionalist or, or what it is, but, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a completely different way of approaching the game because, it, it sort of sounded like a, a bit of a, a closed league in some ways, and I, I, don't know. I don't know if that's too big of a change, and I, I feel like that's something that us fans who've been watching all these leagues and, and these tournaments and, and whatnot over these years, I, I feel like at least myself have a hard time of trying to let that concept go and to look into something else. Cause like I watching the Swiss league, who I, I keep an eye on because of, of Liam Miller, like they only have 12 as well. And I know, I think Austria has got about that as well. And, and I don't, I don't know because I, I guess I kind of like the idea if, if we were going to reduce it down to those 12 teams to maybe do like the first half, like the first half and have a, a trophy for that and then another one because eventually you end up seeing these teams a lot more and that in my opinion just again with the north american perspective of seeing a team over and over again it kind of gets dull and i mean if Bayern faced off against um further hey, bremen for example I, I still don't know what the split tv revenue if if they would be able to uh to compete and now Bayern gets to play them four times and, and run them over so i mean, it's a it's a very different one but i i i feel like the thing that would make the most sense to me would would be at the end of the season, if, you, if you're going to do the 34 games, to then have your, your playoff. Um, probably two legs, to, and I know that's you could do it one, or you could do a quarter semifinal. Something along those lines to give them a chance to, um, to, to take down Bayern in a way that it doesn't have to do it over 34 different games.
2: Yeah, Adrian, what do you think? Playoffs? How are you feeling about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm into playoffs because I I think this sort of reduced league model, while it does sound good, it's it's really difficult. Sort of like what Filippo was saying, it does. It's very difficult to envision how a team coming up, even if they did get funding for that season alone. It feels like there would be a lot of yo-yo clubs that would come up for a season, maybe two, then go back down, and you'd still be left with this core of eight teams at the top that are continuing to just get that regular money over and over and over again. So I think that sort of a happy medium is what Josh was saying, is that the playoff model is something that these leagues should really explore, because as we've spoken about many times, this is this has become unsackable the playoff podcast it feels like at times but um it's it really does feel like the way to sort of solve this issue of of having the same winners over and over and over again and i think that i would love to see it personally even in portugal because i can imagine how the teams that are sort of stuck in mid-table in portugal seeing either benfica or porto i mean there is there is a stretch of time from like 2003 until last year, where it's either Benfica or Porto winning the title, sort of taking turns, having these three to four year runs at it. And so some change up is needed. And I understand why people don't want to let go of the tradition of, you know, 20, 20 teams in the league and the top team after 38 games is the winner. But if something is growing so stale, then you have to change in order for it to improve. And I think that taking that risk and trying out a playoff model would be the way forward.
3: They have to stop seeing it as change, right? They have to see it as a part of an evolution, uh, an improvement, exactly. right? At the time when the leagues were much more balanced, the point system, the 38 games were, were exciting. Well, they still are exciting, but they're losing that. And it, the times have changed, right? There's... um. There's a big gap right now in in how much money resources some clubs have in regards to others. And that is getting worse in the soccer world, especially in Europe. When I talk, well, actually to be fair in South America, it's not looking good between Brazilian clubs and the rest of them. That is something maybe we can talk about later because Coleman ball probably has to address that. uh, If you just look at the past results, but specifically there, there's a lot they have to get done. And, at the end of the day, I don't think it's really that we care too much about having the same winner several times. It's just that we want to have a system there in the league where we can believe that, that every year that big dog, Bayern, for example, we love to use Bayern here as an example. I feel bad for Bayern at this point. We're almost no. making it look like Bayern yeah. is yeah, evil no. or something.
2: No, no, no. They're a great example, though.
3: Um, yeah, but, but just to finish that one, Manuel, that I was saying is uh, we just want a, a way that the league works where we can believe that these clubs, Dortmund, Wolfsburg, Leipzig, that they can actually beat Bayern. Right now, the way it's looking, mm-hmm. I would bet my money on the next two, three, four seasons on Bayern, and I probably would make all that money back.
2: Probably. Um, another one, and this is probably the last point that I want to discuss before we go into our respective directions, Um is a cap on squad size, cap on how many foreigners you're allowed to sign, and um, rolling back the bossman free agency at any age. Uh, salary cap is something that's really hard to bring in. Um, it would have to probably be a soft cap. And you could do a soft cap by essentially restricting the amount of players a club can sign and have in the system, Um, Don't think that would stop Bayern because they don't have big squads in general and they rely heavily on their youth development. But it would stop someone like Man City, right, who just buy four defenders every year and, you know, have enormous depth. And it would stop someone like Chelsea who send 30 players out on loan every year. Um, So essentially salary cap mechanisms of all sorts um, in all sorts of forms. And there's many different ones. Filippo, uh, Josh, Adrian, in that in that order, how do you guys feel about that? And do you think that would help? Um, so yeah, Filippo, you go first and Josh, Adrian, just jump in right after.
3: So stay with me here, Manuel, so I can um, go through the parts that you mentioned. There was a lot of things. So first is the salary cap, right? I'm not very for the salary cap. We see that in MLS. And at times it could hold off some investors in the league of just pouring in more money. But different leagues, different requirements, uh, I, th- I feel like the salary cap might just not do the work because then you're just not going to get some players paid at that point. Uh, they're just going to be stuck in the club because, let's say, they're quality players and Bayern just can't sign them because they're at the salary cap. I don't think that's the way. We've never had salary caps in the past in these leagues, and that goes also to South American leagues. And it's all worked out fine. Plus salary caps, how much do they work as well? There's ways around it, right? You can sign a player for a low salary and then he just has like an off deal with like a sponsor or something. There you go. Somehow it works out. Uh, What was the other one you put on manual? So I cover all them. Limit uh, squad size. Squad size. You mean in the amount of players?
2: And also also limit the amount of foreigners you can bring in, which means that you can't just go down to Ajax and buy the best three players.
3: Okay, so squad size, I'm all for it with you. Uh, You can limit it so they don't do what you said about Chelsea, of just loaning it out. And in terms of foreigners, I mean, the the foreigners part kind of, I don't know if that would change anything in terms of the league because that means you can just buy players from your own league and weaken your opponents. The foreigners usually is a rule applied in the leagues, mostly so clubs focus on developing players locally, I believe. So that one, I don't think it would play a role in terms of that dominance. That would affect more the national team level, I guess. But those are my thoughts on that. Uh, very quick and very short to go to the next one.
0: Yeah, for, for me, the salary cap I'd be careful with just because I don't want to see the quality of the Bundesliga get taken away by in, in, in putting on a salary cap on it. I, I wouldn't say that's the, the answer. I'm, I'm always in favor of the squad size. I think it's honestly, it's a harsh word, but I think it's disgusting with Chelsea too over the years, having players just to, I mean, half the players they bring in, well, half, but a lot of the players they bring in at, very old ages just for to help the, the amount of English players in their side and they loan out like I think they had one year almost 40 people out and is pretty bad at it too I know uva has got a ton of ton of loan signings as well and they just keep these players to see Ah, oh, well we have them we can afford them we'll send them out on loan maybe it'll be that one diamond in the rough um, I'm not a, I'm not in favor of that at all I, I don't like that I kind of like Atletico Madrid's model more where they just have enough players and then if guess what if there's injuries they, they call up and, and they use players and and they, they go that way. So I, I'm all for squad size and I like in, in several different leagues. And then in terms of foreigners, yeah, I mean, I I would like to see all the top five leagues have a similar rule about foreigners because I mean, all these teams compete each other at the highest level, which is the Champions League. It'd be nice if they all kind of show that they're using the players that are to their disposal from their respective leagues, whether it's Germany, France, English. They use those players. They have their foreigners. They're all equal playing fields. So when they go into competitive um Champions League football, that's then they're on level playing field. But I, I obviously doubt that's gonna happen because it it would take away probably some of the money of being able to entice some of the bigger players to come in like Manchester City do. So yeah, for me I, I would like to see the, the foreigners one put in. I'm not the squad size I would like to see as well and I'm not in favor of the salary cap.
1: Yeah, I think the salary cap is probably the least effective because like Filippo said, there's so many ways around it, whether you you know, amortize their wage over a multiple number of years or there's little bonuses on the side or whatever, something like that. I think that all these teams that have found their ways around the financial restrictions in the past will just find a way to do so again. Uh, squad size, absolutely. Absolutely, I agree with that. You know, Again, I'm going to jump back to Benfica. People are going to tell me to shut up about them, but we are definitely one of those teams that make all these signings and then just loan them out all over the place. Um, so I think that that's one that should absolutely be implemented, and I do really like the idea of limiting the amount of foreigners that you have. I spoke with uh, Hercules Gomez a little bit about what was going on with Mexico and how their development at the senior level has been stunted a little bit because the local players don't get the opportunities that they deserve. So essentially, they their development just gets stunted in that way. Um, and I think that you know there there would have to be some working to be there would have to be some work to be done about. The rules around, you know, the sort of homegrown players or the, uh, the amount of foreign players. Maybe you make it so that you can't sign rival or you can't sign from other, if you're an English club, you can't sign from another English club until the player turns 22 or something like that. Something to ensure that these young players are getting their opportunities Um, that the focus on developing players for your own club becomes the priority and that you aren't weakening the opponents around you. I think that there is something to be said there for that sort of uh, avenue to take.
2: Yeah, I don't think we're going to find the solution here. Just playing around with lots of different ideas, right? And um, I think we all agree more or less that something has to be done. Um, in order to change. And Filippo, I really like what you said. It's like, it has to be, we don't have to think of it as change or something that they need to adapt to. And that's very true. Um, Times change and league formats have changed. The Bundesliga wasn't always the Bundesliga. Uh, You know, it's not set in stone that we competitiveness for a championship has to be decided on league standings. There's many ways to determine that. And uh, I think... Football is getting to the point where they have to be open and discuss many different ideas, um, whether it's the ones that we discussed or any other ones. Uh, Guys, before we wrap it up, um, this has just come out. Um, I want to conclude the podcast. The the Premier League has confirmed that they will continue with the fixtures. Uh, There was an emergency meeting just now. And there will be games taking place over Christmas. Um, the Premier League recognizes that a lot of teams are struggling with finding enough players, but they're going to try to do it anyway. So I wish them the best of luck. So hey, I some- um,
3: if I wasn't injured, I would be available to play for them. Dude, I, yeah. I can't,
2: unfortunately. No, no, you you rest that knee, Filippo. Um, <laughs> guys, that pretty much wraps up the show. Um, whatever you celebrate this, this, this holiday period, celebrate it. Uh, stay healthy. Um, That's the number one thing right now. Enjoy the holidays and uh, we'll be back probably just like the Premier League um, during this holiday season at some point. So until then, cheers and bye-bye.